0: Welcome to the Brian Buffini Show. Today we have a real treat for you. We're going to give you a peek behind the curtain of Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. At our elite business conference, The Peak Experience, Brian took concepts from the characters in the movie to bring you a roadmap to finding your golden ticket. Let's listen in. So now we're going to walk through Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. So let's take a look at Charlie, the Charlie Factor. First of all, Charlie was powered by something, very powerful, and he was powered by hope. This is the key. Hope, by its most deepest definition, is a confident expectation. A confident, kick butt take names, expectation. That's what powered by hope means. It's an energy that you give off. It's an energy give off. You know, all the movies now are all superhero movies, right? Those are all the big hits and the great stuff. There's a reason why we like that. We like the idea of having superpowers. We do. We just don't use them very often. When was the last time you got your hopes up? What do we do all the time? What do we do as parents? Honey, don't get your hopes up. Why not? Because there's a chance. What? You'll be disappointed. Is that the worst thing in life? I can give you a long list of things that are worse in life than that. There's a chance you'll be disappointed. Is there another chance? What's the other chance that it could be beyond anything you ever hoped for if you pursue it? Let me tell you this. My great failure with goals has been most of the stuff that happened in my life was far beyond anything I ever set. But in the pursuit of that, with a hopeful, confident expectation, a lot of freaking great stuff happens along the way. And a lot of stuff that I had my hopes in got dashed only to keep fighting, just keep scratching, scratching, scratching. You know, the, you know the old story, the kid in the pile of manure, digging, digging, digging. I know there's a pony down here somewhere. When you push and fight and don't give up and persevere, and the next thing you know, the disappointment was the mask. It was the mask because behind what came was something far more beyond that you ever imagined. I've experienced that for 30 years. And I've probably had more disappointments than most because I've pursued more than most. Does that make sense? Get your hopes up. Be like Charlie. Get your hopes up. Don't have false hope. But the opposite of getting your hopes up is to be hopeless. Number two. want I give you Bishop Tutu instead of Brian Buffini? Hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. There's a guy that was a black bishop in a country that banned black people for most of his 70 years at the time. Only to have one of his best friends and a guy he mentored, an angry black man who went to jail that he mentored and loved on, who came out of jail, a non-angry black man, and became the president of the country. The guy came out of jail to become the president of the country. Now, we are the official training company of real estate agents in South Africa. And I've had a chance to go down there. It is phenomenal. And you know who loves Nelson Mandela more than anyone else? White, South Africa because he was so hopeful and he was so powerful. He didn't take any crap from anybody either. Powerful, he was powered by hope. Say that phrase with me, powered by hope. I'm taking my power back, I'm taking my power back. When people talk about taking their power back, it's some small, insignificant, self-indulgent pursuit and you're just becoming more powerless and more hopeless. You wanna get your power back? Become more hopeful. In a very strong way. The next, the joy of anticipation. Just the joy of anticipation. So now we're talking about power and we're talking about joy. The joy of anticipation. I tell people when they book a vacation, here's the thing, put a picture up, have it on your screensaver, do the whole thing. Because it helps you get through the darkness. It's like, this is where I'm going. And it doesn't matter. This year, my wife and I were taking a bunch of the kids and all their friends to Hawaii. And we have the pictures up and the whole thing. And the kids come in to me the other day, Dad. Oh, he's blowing up. <laughs> Gas clouds and this and that. Like, Great. Great. I'll send you a picture. I'm going. <laughs> There's a joy of anticipation. Look at Charlie's face. When was the last time you felt that? By the way, anticipation has a momentum to it. See, the hope is that picture out there. And the anticipation is the little blocks that come along the way. Does that make sense? They give you that and and get your hopes up. And there's a sense of anticipation. And when things don't go exactly as planned, which means you're not in control, by the way, have you looked around? You're not in control. (laughs) Kilauea is exploding on my vacation. Okay. But you have little steps along the way and that sense of anticipation. That something better is going to come. Something better is going to come. Something better is going to come. By the way, the best advice I ever gave a buyer. You ever had a buyer lose out on a house? I look them straight in the eye. I've been doing this a long time. I just want you to know, every time I've been in this situation, my buyer ended up in something better. How many of you have ever had that experience? Could I see your hands? Have you ever had a buyer give up? Lose faith in you? Go somewhere else? Settle for less? Has that ever happened? Yes or no? And we go, oh, those buyers. And yet we do that every day with our own goals and our own dreams. Okay, this just went sideways. Guess what? I guess my all controlling world plan didn't work out, Dr. Evil. Something better's coming. Something better's coming. There's a pony in here somewhere. I'm going to keep saying that line until you find it funny. John Eldridge says, without the anticipation of better things ahead, we will have no heart for the journey. No heart for the journey. Next, always take the high road. Always take the high road. So we all know Charlie gets to go to Wonka's office and he gets a chance and he's been promised another opportunity elsewhere. But he knew if he took that money from Slugworth, something in here dies. Now he's got the cash, no character. Okay? Pity the man with no character who has the cash. So he takes the high road. Understand that taking the high road is sometimes a very narrow path. Sometimes it's a very unaccompanied path. There are many times in this business where I have been faced with these moments of truth decision where consultants are this or that, and people said, do this, do this, do this, makes the most sense, make the most money, do the whole. My staff is tired of hearing this phrase from me, that I would die on the hill of my conviction than win on the hill of compromise. And here's the deal. I don't feel like I've ever really lost in the big picture of anything because I'm willing to die on the hill of what I believe in. Does that make sense? The principles that are anchored and that are real and that are true is what I know to be true. What I know to be true about myself. And it doesn't mean you make small mistakes along the way, but there are a series of moment of truth decisions. By the way, there's a bunch of them coming your way. And the world we live in today, the speed at which it comes, the speed of life today is faster and more dramatic than anything we've ever experienced in humankind. And these moment of truth decisions happen now, not just once in a lifetime, they happen many, many times. And sometimes they're small decisions, sometimes they're big decisions, but you always take the high road. Here's a great quote. Always take the high road. You may be stepped on, crushed, and even heartbroken, but at least you can look yourself in the mirror every day and say, I did the right thing, and I'm not going to hate myself for it. Powerful stuff. Okay, what hijacks our dreams? Have you ever had a dream hijacked? Have you ever um, sabotaged yourself? Could I see your hands? So you're the onboard saboteur. You are flying your own plane, and you have a gun to your head. Right? Right? like an old Mel Brooks type movie. Okay, anyone moves and the pilot gets it. (laughs) And we do this. So let me ask you this. When you see that Charlie character, how many of you feel a little, like in your own heart, you feel an identification with Charlie? Can I see your hands? Of course you do. Well, now we're going to show you the other side. That we also have a few of the other characters in us. And the goal is to diminish those characters and make this Charlie in us more of a hero. So here's the characters. We have Augustus, Violet, Veruca, and Mike. Okay? And what we're going to do is we're going to learn from these guys. Because here's the thing. I've had a lot of successful business ventures. Dozens. And I had one big egg I laid. That was where I went to college. That's when I went to school. And so these things that we've done, that we've made mistakes, that we have regrets about, that we've, or that their habits or patterns that show up repeatedly, that's where we get to go to school. That's really the personal growth seminar. Are you guys with me? That's yeah, really the good stuff. It's the hard stuff, but it's the good stuff. So let's talk about Augustus. Augustus. First of all, Augustus is a slave to his appetites. And I was actually in the hometown where this was filmed this year. It's in the town called Munster. I was looking for horses. And here's Augustus. A little bit of a slave to his appetites. Is it possible that any of our bad habits might have flown downhill to us from mama or dada? Is that possible? You know, we just had my mom and dad over, and the Robinsons in as well, and my grandson, we had a picture with four generations. Great grandpa. My dad's like, I always knew I'd be great at something. <laughs> and so we had this amazing time, put him up by the ocean, had a great time. The family's hanging out. We had great get-togethers, and mom was in her element cooking lunches all the time. We're popping around the Carlsbad all the time, and... It was fantastic. It was a trip of a lifetime. And it was a learning experience too. Because have you ever seen your family do things and you go, oh, has that ever happened? Have you ever seen your family do things and you go, "Ooh," I have a bit of that in me. And when you're really going on the journey, you go, oh, is that what that sounds like when I do that? Does that make sense? And we had a fantastic time and a great thing. and It was a great experience. But I also got to see a little bit of my own Augustus Gloop where family members that are connected to me, they eat the microphone and then I eat the microphone and then I don't even realize I'm eating someone else's microphone. If love is patient, my wife is love. And I turn to her and I go, does that's what that sound like when I say that? Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to the next podcast. So sometimes it's nurture, nature, marvelous. and and again, we, we take responsibility. My mom did this, my dad did this, my cousin did this, my aunt did this, my, dad, my great-grandfather, they did this. They did this in my neighborhood, so therefore it's permissible for me to do it. No, I'm gonna own that, and I'm not gonna vilify that. I'm gonna give grace to that, and I'm gonna try and take it to another level than that, if that makes sense, say That's That's the deal, that's the deal. Jim Rohn, he said this, we must be careful not to let our current appetites steal away any chance we might have for a future feast. Oh, by the way, I didn't just talk about Augustus eating. That's the reason why people don't get rich. That's why people don't have big businesses. That's why it's hard to lose weight. That's why it's hard to have great relationships. That stuff. And our current appetites steal away the future feast. Does that make sense? Are we settled for this? Are we buy this when we could have had that? We get this and this and this, and yet there was a 24-unit apartment building with our name on it. Three years later, if we'd have just stayed the course. Make sense? Next, out of those patterns comes something called bad habits. So patterns are the bigger things. They might be psychologically connected. They might be routine, familiarly. Bad habits is the daily stuff that shows up all the time that we do. Great quote here I found. it. So bad habits are like a comfortable bed. Easy to get into, hard to get out of. Next, greed. No one talks about it anymore. Because what's happened is we're not able to say things are right or wrong or good or bad anymore because that smacks of, what's the word? Judgment. That smacks of judgment. So anything that's principle-based in our culture today is going to be perceived as pontificating, religious, self-righteous, judgmental. Are you guys with me? And that's why we have to constantly blur the lines, constantly blur the lines, constantly blur the lines. And that's going on at a, at a rapid rate at all times, all the time. And so the dynamic becomes, when you call something, it's like, hey, you can call someone almost anything today, but you say you're greedy. That's pretty harsh, isn't it? Uh, but is that something that we all have to deal with at some point in time? And so it starts out with a pattern, then it turns into a habit, and then it becomes a character quality to the point that it's full on. He can't stop himself. His no ability to stop himself. Gandhi said this, earth provides enough to satisfy every man's needs, but not every man's greed. So there's a phrase in England, once in a while, I give the Brits a little credit, and they go, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. Do you know what that's the ticket means? What does that mean? Have you ever heard what the Brits will say? That's the ticket. Do you know what that means? It's like, that's the answer. Okay. You might want to write that one down. I learned this amazing thing today. It was so amazing. The Brits will go, that's the ticket. Well, we're talking about a golden ticket. And I want to give you the answer. How many of you would say, on occasion, you can be a slave to your appetites, have some bad habits, and that these patterns turn into something that ends up having negative consequence? Can I see your hands nice and high? How many of you think that can derail you from the ultimate goal of who you want to be and where you want to go? Can I see your hands? So that's the ticket. Say it with me. One, two, three. Yes. Say it with a British accent. One, two, three. Yes. Sounded exactly the same. The ticket... To reduce the Augustus in your life is self-control, is self-control, self-control. Is that something that can be developed in a person? Yes or no? How? How? How do you develop self-control? By practicing self-control. And initially it's with a one pound weight of self-control. Okay? And it is. That's why the big battles are always won with the small decisions. Okay, that's it. I have this one thing I do or this one thing I eat or whatever. All right, so that's once a week instead of seven days a week, okay? So I get Starbucks, I'm gonna get Starbucks. I'm not gonna get the morning bun and the coffee cake and then I'm just gonna get the Starbucks. Something like that, whatever it is. And it's one. But now what happens is when you do that and you walk into that Starbucks seven days a week and you walk out with your mocha frocha, hapo, no cup, and you do the whole thing, but you don't have your morning bun. What's happened is your self-control muscles just got bigger and stronger. Oh, by the way, that might be the very thing that helped you. True story. It's too long to actually get into detail, but I'll tell you a factual story. A man I helped 27 years ago who became a millionaire, and I helped him become a millionaire by flossing his teeth. It's a fact. He's a famous author back east, and he will tell people this. And if you ever interviewed, he said, how did you become a millionaire? Because I had a friend of mine who challenged me to floss my teeth. Because we started talking about what's the one thing you wish you'd do every single day? And he came over this flush your teeth. I said, great. So I called him every day for seven days. Did you do it this morning? I'm doing it now as you're calling. <laughs> and so once he learned the disciplines to floss his teeth and it became a habit and then a routine and then it became habitual, then I applied the same principles of budgeting and the same principles of investing that I've applied to my own life and to all of you. And because he did the same thing with flossing his teeth, he did the same thing with taking care of his cash. I kid you not, I kid you not. Did he do it perfectly? Did he ever miss a day of flossing? Yeah. Did he ever miss a day of budgeting? Did he ever miss a day of investing? But he will tell you 27 years ago, he became a millionaire because he started flossing his teeth. And he's a Hebrew professor at a um, seminary and he became a millionaire. When you start developing that self-control, what's the phrase? What did the Brits say? Self-control. How many of you could develop a little more self-control? Can you see your hands? Great. So how do we develop self-control? Start doing it. Start small. Next, verruca. It's interesting they call it varuca. Americans aren't familiar with this term. But like in Ireland, there was one swimming pool in Dublin when I grew up. It was on the south side of Dublin, a place called Glenalbin. There was so much chlorine in that pool that you could walk across it. When we heard Jesus walked on water, it was, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, in Ireland, you know, it was cold. We have these heating systems called immersions, immersion heater. And if you ever go to Ireland and stay in one of these little cottages, <laughs> you won't be showering every day. And so when people went to the swimming pool, they thought it was bath night. And so afterwards, what would happen is they'd get these little warts on their feet called Verrucas. So you look it up, Verruca, when I heard that initially, so Americans are watching this as well, oh, that's kind of an interesting name. I think I named my daughter Verruca. It means a wart. So what do we deal with with Verruca? Where's our little inner Verruca? Where's the wart in our character that shows up, that stops us cashing in the golden ticket, redeeming our golden tickets? Well, it starts with entitlement. You know, our generation wags its finger at the younger generation and calls them entitled, and they are. And it's ridiculous. And they learned it honestly by watching us. Here's a tip if you want to take this down. Entitlement, a great way to catch entitlement in your own mind and heart, write this down, anything I complain about. Anything I complain about, I feel like I'm entitled to. You only complain about the things you're entitled to. Why don't you do this for me? I can't believe this. I can't believe that. I'm entitled to it. We so recognize this in other people. We see entitlement all around us, except in the mirror. Here's the thing. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to raise you up. If you have entitlement and I don't love you enough to share with you, if I have entitlement and I don't recognize it or I have people in my life who are willing to share it or not comfortable sharing it, I got nowhere to grow. Nowhere to grow. Here's what it looks like. She's got everyone around. When someone has entitlement, understand this. It is a character quality that gives off such an energy. It impacts people around us all over the place. My kids are involved in club sports. Anyone here have kids involved in club sports? Oh, my goodness. Entitlement, entitlement. Switching teams, getting coaches fired. I haven't been a part of this stuff for about 15 years where during the course of one season, there hasn't been a need for a coach and someone who owns the club to sit down with a group of parents. I have not seen it in 15 years, and I haven't seen it on any other teams either. And the reason is, it's because we're entitled. And what we do is, any type, we become who we are because of the adversity we face in our life, and then we want to remove it from our children's lives. My kids this year, the reason to be entitled, my daughter Amy is a high school All-American as a sophomore in high school. Her and her sister Alicia, Alicia's an All-State player in California where volleyball is a religion they went to a school that went four and 24 the year before the last two years they've gone 63 and three and they just won the state championship now on their club team Alicia's small so the coach goes obviously you can't play setter for me you'll play back row and Amy you're too short to be an outside hitter even though you're recognized one of the top 20 players out of 400,000 in the country and we have watched during the course of this year all these kids and all these teams go freaking sideways now, we actually have a legitimate reason to get a little bent out of shame. We sat down with the girls and go, this is going to be the making of you. This is going to be the making of you. You're going to go through highs and lows with this, and, and it's happened. And they've had to go through all of this stuff and self-confidence and doubt and this and that and the other and how people look at me and this and any other. And I'm going to tell you, by far, it has been their greatest year as people. And it has been the making of them. Now, the key with entitlement, we'll get to it, is ultimately having perspective. For example, one of the days, Amy is fighting through, fighting through, fighting through. She's playing for a coach who's, her two coaches have won four gold medals. The one coach is the coach of the school she wants to go to, USD here in San Diego. So he's the head coach of her club team. He's the assistant coach. And she's in the back row. And she fights her way through, fights her way through, fights her way through, fights her way through. And the guy finally goes, man, I know you're too short. I got to start you. You're just too good. She gets into her first tournament. She is dominating. There are 400 coaches around the court they finish second in the national championship game and a freak thing happened ball comes under the net she lands goes up and she's five seven and a ball goes underneath the net from another court she comes down ankle okay and you go okay what the hell's going on here she's fought the good fight she's listened to dad's speeches she's done the thing she's been the good soldier she played the back row she's suspended her ego she's gone through the lack of confidence she's finally catching a break That night, I'm on the way home, and I'm throwing a pity party, and all this BS is crap, okay? Oh, this workbook, out the frickin' window. And I got Augustus, Veruca, Mike TV, everyone's on the rampage. And I got a phone call from a young man I've been mentoring who their baby was born 20 weeks premature and fought, 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 fought every day, fought, fought every day, fought, fought every day, tiny little baby. His hand was the size of his dad's nail, and fought, 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 and after eight weeks, gave up his life. And I'm weeping with this guy on the phone, and I'm praying with this guy on the phone, and I drove to the beach, and I'm sitting at the beach, and I'm looking at the sunset, and it just hits me. I was just complaining about my daughter ripping up her ankle. This guy would give everything in his life to have his kid rip up their ankle as a 16-year-old, and that's what obliterates entitlement. Is perspective. That's what obliterates it, right? And I'm not making a joke. I mean, someone says, "I want to sit in the front row, or else." And there's 1,500 people who can't get here. There's people who go, "Man, uh, you know, my buyer's agent just blew a lead. You have a buyer's agent with a buyer." Are you guys hearing me? Yes or no? And I get it. And we're all human. I'm telling you the story because what's happened is this. The pity party used to last longer. Now I know now I'm driving to the beach before I got the phone call because I now I'm going there and I'll go there because it's my happy place. Even when I'm freaking miserable, I'll sit there. But I'll do the discipline and I want you to know it's okay to be human. That's part of being human. That's part of life. The key is that the pity party doesn't go on for months and months and months and then it turned into negative thinking and this is the thing and you see this is it and this is how it always happens. Every time you get your dreams up and this is and you know what kids that's why you don't get your hopes up and it's like, you know, this any and the next thing you know we come so far away from it we live these tiny small lives not what we're destined for. Make sense? Powerful stuff. Entitlement. It says service and gratitude will fuel your relationships. Entitlement and expectation will poison it. Powerful. Impatience. Impatience. Veruca was the queen. She was the queen of impatience, right? Everything's now, 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 now. Chinese proverb, this is not something new that came out with social media, okay? It's a couple thousand years old right here. If you are patient in one moment of anger, you will escape a 100 years of sorrow. But it's, you get there, you get there, you get there, and you get there. I want a golden goose. I want it now. I want the end result. I want it now. I don't want to pay the price. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. I want it now. Have you ever frustrated yourself with wanting something now, yes or no? Have you ever been impatient with someone you love? Hurry up, have you? (laughs) At every wedding, 1 Corinthians 13 is read, love is patient, love is kind, love is... Just so you know, I've never gotten through that. I get love is patient, I stop. (laughs) I stop there. And by the way, that's my little phrase to myself. That's my affirmation. When I find myself being impatient, that's the thing I say to myself, love is patient. Love is patient. Sometimes it's love is patient. But that's what I say to myself. Love is patient. Love is patient. Sometimes you've got to love the business enough to be patient enough for your business model to flourish. Sometimes you've got to love your clients enough for them ultimately to come to a good decision. Sometimes you've got to love yourself enough and be patient with yourself that you didn't just become an instant millionaire, instantly fit, instantly happy, instantly everything. You've got to be patient with yourself and then be patient with others. And that makes you loving and that gives you power, right? Understand this, that this whole movie, all these examples, it's hyperbole. It's called exaggeration for effect. So we look at her and it's easy to go, that Veruca is a pill. And the purpose is, man, that's an extreme version of what I got going on sometimes when I'm impatient. And it's again, perspective, perspective. In America, the fast food's too slow. Is that true? What is taking them so long? Is that true? And then meet a person who's come from a place where they don't have fast or slow food. We had some missionaries come to our home here late last year. And we've been working with this group and helping them out in schools and all this stuff. And they came and it was just this wonder. They were like Charlie all day long. And before they came to our house, we were having a little lunch and we're by the ocean. They're eating and they're like looking around like what is this? And then we're going to go to our house and they go, can I ask you this question? You have a car, an automobile. Yes. Oh, amazing. You also, Beverly, you have a car. Yes, I have a car too. Now, is it true you also have a house for your car? Like you have a house that you live in and then you have a house for your car. Yes. We have three houses for three cars and a lot of other stuff that doesn't fit in the house. And you, uh, Okay, we're living blessed lives and blessed environments in a blessed part of the world. You get to go to sleep at night. And it's like, you know what I mean? Well, how can we walk around entitled and impatient? We do. The key is to get back on the horse real quick, right? Grab that perspective. Have those points of references. Have a good memory from yourself and go, yeah, I remember when. I remember when. Not to stay stuck there, but to keep you grounded and give you perspective. And then lastly, instant gratification, instant gratification. Okay? She had a song. Remember, she sang Veruca. Okay, remember the picture when she went down, she went down the tube. Remember what happened to her? She said, "Don't care how I want it," and everything was, "I want it now! I want it now! I want it now! I want it now!" And as much she wanted it now, not because it was anything good, but just because she wanted it. Okay. The great Brian Tracy says, "The ability to discipline yourself to delay gratification in the short term, in order." to enjoy greater rewards in the long term is the indispensable prerequisite for success. What do the Brits say? What's the phrase? Come on. Say it together. One, two, three. So how many of you would say on occasion you have a little entitlement or a little impatience? Could I see your hands? Does that derail relationships? Does that derail what could be an even more wonderful life? Yes or no? So what's the ticket? It's in Veruca's last name. What was Veruca's last name? Salt. Salt. Be salt. Anybody at Mastermind last year? Remember salt? Sodium chloride. The greatest spice in the world. That person's worth his salt. They Used to pay soldiers. And salt, because it was more valuable than gold, was the most valuable commodity in the world. It built the trade routes. It built the whole world's economy. Sodium chloride. If you take just sodium, it poisons you. If you take just chloride, it poisons you. Sodium is our thinking. Chloride is our actions. We need good thinking, good actions. We want good content in, and then go and apply it. Everybody with that? Yes or no? We want to be salt. See, thinking unleashes the power of your mind. That's the sodium. It unleashes the power of your mind, which none of us have even come close to tapping into. Action harnesses the power of habit. You get your mind going, you get your habit going, that's it. So what you want to do? Feed the mind, and then go execute. Feed the mind, then go do. You want to be less impatient? You want to be less entitled? You want to eradicate some of that Veruca out of your life? Not get stuck on instant gratification? Feed the mind, then go do. Feed the mind, then go apply. Everybody with me? Say aye. Next one, Mike TV. Mike TV lives a distracted life. Distracted. Average attention span, under 25 years of age today, seven seconds. Average attention span of a goldfish, nine seconds. Average millennial touches their phone 2,100 times a day. Touches the screen 2,100 times a day. Average baby boomer touches their screen 2,100 times a day. Distracted life. Here's Mike TV. Here's the distracted life. Again, it's exaggeration for effect. We have a little bit of this. He has a lot of this, so we can learn from it. This is an easy one to make today. Would you guys agree? Yes or no? All right, here's where we are. Here's high use information. Cell phone use while driving. This last year, 1.6 million crashes. It's a miracle it's that little. We are distracted. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how this happened, but about two months ago, my bride and I are on date night, which is harder to do all the time. And I stopped us in mid-flow as she was looking at her phone and I was looking at mine because emails were coming in about college acceptance for our third child, Adam, and da da and it was all this stuff. And we're both looking at the phone. And I went, all right. And see, this is smart. This is 30 years of marriage. I hand her my phone. I didn't take her phone. I hand her my phone. You young bucks, you have a lot to learn. I go, I just want to be here with you. Six kids didn't have my accident, you know. It's not a modern dilemma, okay? Epictetus in the first century said this, getting distracted by trifles is the easiest thing in the world. Focus on your main duty. That was before social media. And that's why we, we live in this world today. It's easy for us to blame social media. I'm telling you, human nature hasn't changed in thousands of years. We just have different applications today, different opportunities today. Does this make sense? My TV. Not only was he distracted, he was a know-it-all. He's a know-it-all. Got him in trouble. Show me someone who has nothing to learn, I'll show you. Someone who has nothing to teach. You follow me? As I go through my life, I'm a student. If you ever hear me with these famous people on these podcasts, I'm not fawning all over them. I'm a student. I'm just so excited that they're... This is Thomas Campbell. The smaller your reality, the more convinced you are, you know everything. That's why you want to grow and learn, okay? Lastly, acts without enough info. So now you become impulsive. So what happens is I'm distracted. I'm a know-it-all, and I act without enough information. Can't understand why that bad thing happened. Hired that wrong person, did this, or had this consequence, okay? My TV ended up being small, right? Here's the thing. His reality became what his mind was. So when we're distracted, you know, you've heard me talk about Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and focus, right? Focus, that's what makes them successful. The fact of the matter is, when you don't have focus, you're going to have a distracted life, be small, think small, know-it-all perspective. And so here's the thing. I'm not going to say you're a know-it-all, but do you have a flavor of it? Okay? I'm not going to say you're fully distracted. You can't be to be in this room. But would you like to be a little less distracted, yes or no? So, what's the ticket? Be a humble student. Be a humble student. Say, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. Here's Mother Teresa, who was mentored and trained in a convent walking distance from the Buffini home. Most people don't realize Mother Teresa was mentored in Ireland where the center of the universe has been known and discovered. (laughs) If you are humble, nothing will touch you, neither praise nor disgrace because you know who you are and you know what you are. Powerful stuff. Violet, what about Violet? Violet, you know, there's something like it about each one of these characters, by the way. There is. Like Augustus, he's kind of fun. Like he is who he is. And, you know, Mike TV, he's kind of a character. And, you know, Veruca, she's driven and she knows what she wants. And Violet, Violet's really competitive. Anybody competitive here? So Violet always needs to win. See, it's good to win. But you want to circle the word always. Yogi Berra, the unintentional, brilliant man said, losing is a learning experience. It teaches you humility. It teaches you to work harder. It's always a powerful motivator. It's okay to lose. It's okay that your kids lose. It's okay that your family members lose. It's okay. It's part of the deal. It's not fun, but it's part of the deal. It's what makes a winner a winner. Now, the next thing with Violet, she makes others jealous. When she wins, she's got to kind of stick it to you. Think about an industry where grown-ups lie about their accomplishments, right? Fabricate their accomplishments. We used to give out awards at Buffini Company at our mastermind. We had to stop doing it because two years in a row, someone would actually made up their numbers so they could walk across the stage and get a glass chicken. It was an eagle, but it looked like a chicken. <laughs> our marketing department wasn't what it is today. It looked like a chicken. And I'm like, okay, enough of this. And that's, you know, CRMs and all that, prior to all that stuff. And I like, why would somebody lie to win an award? As they can. The real estate business is rife with this. You know, one of the things, if you walk through Buffini Company, the vast majority of our staff couldn't tell you. If you said, well, who are your guys' competitors? You'd get this a lot. Uh, I, I had no idea. I guarantee the majority of them... If I'm going to mention some names of some people who technically are competitors of mine that I learned stuff from in a later section today, I'm going to tell you, if you walk through Buffini company, our staff, I'm telling you 90% of them, except the folks who have been around forever who had clients come up and say, I used to be with so-and-so, but then I found the light side of the force. (laughs) They couldn't tell you because I'm not going to lower myself by focusing on someone else's mediocre performance. Or someone's extraordinary performance, because that's not me and that's not mine. That's not my calling. I got this red carpet line. That's I got to walk this one. Are you guys with me? Be competitive. Win. Don't win at all costs. This is a brilliant quote. Jealousy is the tribute mediocrity pays to genius. And then lastly, win at all costs. You got to win at all costs. No matter what. Violet's got to win at all costs. Are you guys with me? So what did the Brits say? What's the ticket? Be a servant. So when you come from an attitude of serving, your eyes will be open. Go through all the great success stories. Ray Kroc, and I know there's a movie about him and that, yeah. but I happen to know the family. I happen to know that I was a house painter working on my first ever paint job. And this little old lady came down to me every day and she goes, you're from Ireland. Yes, I am. Do you like tea? As a Pope Catholic. <laughs> so she'd come down every day with silver tray and tea. And we'd sit down and have tea. I'm doing these cabinets, and I'm painting these kitchens and whatever else. I'm right off the boat. This was a guest house. It's about a 5,000 square foot guest house. So I'm painting every day. She came down. She'd make me little sandwiches, cut off the crust, the whole thing. Came down the tea service. She'd sit down, have tea with me every day, every day, every day. I didn't know it was John Crock. I didn't know her husband started McDonald's. So finally, I found out. I kind of found out. Still didn't know. You know, the internet wasn't around. And I said to her, uh, "Why was your husband so successful?" And she said he was a student, and was interested in serving people. She goes, no one will ever say that, and it'll never be his memoir. But she goes, that's why he was so successful. She goes, Ray was a disaster when it came up to coming up with products. She goes, the only burger he ever invented was the Hula Burger, which was a grilled piece of pineapple between two pieces of bread with a sauce on it. Can't imagine that didn't take off. <laughs> we we'll just add in a little spam there just to take it over the top. But you know where the fillet of fish came from? From a franchisee in Pennsylvania who was surrounded by Catholics at the time who would only eat fish on Friday. He says, I can't serve Big Macs on Friday, so I'm come up with this thing called a fillet of fish, and it became their fastest grilling sandwich for 20 years. And another guy came up with a Big Mac because he had a bunch of construction workers in his area, and they came in, and they go, man, I'm buying two or three of these little things, man. This is not enough. So a local came up with a Big Mac, and he, okay, great. He was constantly learning all his greatest ideas. The greatest ideas Buffini and Company has had have come from you. You guys started doing small groups. We said, we better get ahead of this. People want to do next level content. We better get ahead of this. We're listening, listening, listening. Listen to your customers. Be a servant. Be a student. Be, be salt. Develop self control. Because that's the. Plato said, he who is a good servant will not be a good master. You want to be a good boss, be a good servant. So first of all, I want to share with you what the golden ticket is. What gets you to the place to fulfill all your dreams? Here's answer number one. Write it in. It's who you are. Who you are is your golden ticket. Who you are is freaking amazing. Okay? In a humble kind of way, freaking amazing. (laughs) Who you are is where your power is. Who you are, you have yet to see it. And there's all kinds of time. Oh, God, I wish I'd have met you years ago, Brian. 80 was Moses when God put him to work. Colonel Sanders was 66 when he sold his first Kentucky Fried Chicken. Down here in Carnado, Orville Redenbacher was 72 when he found someone finally say, I like your popcorn. Are you guys with me? You are your golden ticket. That I do know. Wow, what a powerful session. Who knew you could learn so much from the characters in a movie? Now you're one step closer to finding your golden ticket. If you'd like to hear Brian at one of our live events, visit Buffiniandcompany.com slash events to reserve your seat. And until next time, I'll leave you with an Irish blessing from Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.